Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. And I'm going to leave off, uh, I'm going to pick up at verse 12 because it talks about enduring temptation. We were talking about last time. So in verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. And that's a very encouraging motivation for enduring temptation because of the crown of life that's ahead. It's, it's good to look forward to. Verse 13, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. Okay, you know, last we we discussed the motivation, uh, the drive for why we should endure temptation because of this crown of life, this crown of life that the Lord is going to give to us. And this crown is for those who love God. So when you view verse 12, looking at verse 12, it shows that those who are going to endure temptation and who will not give up, give in to it, (laughs) excuse me, who won't give in to it are actually those who love God. Many people claim to love God, don't they? Lots of people claim to love God. But in light of what this verse says, are they really loving God when they willfully and continually give in to temptation? Temptation's always going to happen, but are you always giving in to it? Is that love of God? Our motivation is the crown of life that the Lord has for those that He has promised to give to those of us who have given ourselves to him that love God. Very important factor. You know, your conduct, what you do, what you say, is going to prove what you truly, really believe. But as you know, there are people that's always looking for a way to pass the buck. They just want to pass the blame off to somebody else. They want their sin, but it's not my fault. They want to have that sin and the temptation. They want to give into it, but it's not my fault. It's always somebody else. They always got to find a way to pin the fault on somebody else, make it all because they did it. And so it says, let no one say, I am tempted by God. God doesn't do that. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. If God were to tempt somebody, let's imagine that God was to tempt you into doing something that was sinful. That would mean evil has power over God. Evil said, hey, God, make him do this. And God goes, oh, okay. And he tempted you. God doesn't do that. And so that's why it says, God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. It it just doesn't work like that. So you lose that excuse. Oh, God tempted me. No, he didn't. He doesn't do that. That would mean that evil tempted God into committing an act of evil. It doesn't happen. And that's why the text says that God does not tempt anyone because God cannot be tempted by evil. And so when people say God tempted me, they're believing that evil has power over God and that he's going to make them do it. It's not true. It just isn't true. 
evil does not have the slightest chance of being able to get God to do anything. 1 John 1 and 5 says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. None. No darkness at all. Well, now then there's those who say, well, the devil made me do it. Okay, that sounds better. (laughs) The devil made me do it. The devil doesn't make you do anything. He'll tempt you to it, but he doesn't make you do it. You've got a choice still, remember? People say, oh, I've got my right to free will. And then they go, well, the devil made me do it. Now you you don't have a choice. You're claiming you've got a strong mind and the ability to make your own decisions, but then the devil made you do it? Do you have free will or not? (laughs) Rather than endure the temptation, they are proving their lack of faithfulness to God. And like James 1 says, so rather than endure the temptation, they try to pass it off to the devil or say that God tempted them. God doesn't tempt. When temptation occurs, endure it. Endure temptation. If you want that crown ahead, endure temptation. And while we're here, you know, and if you make the mistake of temptation, at least ask God to forgive you. But while we're here, um, those who give in to temptation time and time and time again, over and over, is a habit, it's a repeated process. They end up repeatedly thinking like this. Here's their pattern. They, they think, well, I'll just ask God to forgive me every time I do it. Every time I give in to temptation, I'll just ask forgiveness, and I'm good, and we'll just keep on going. And, well, when I do it again, I'll just ask God to forgive me again, and I'll just do it again. Forgive, forgive, forgive. I'll keep asking God. No, you're continually giving in to temptation. That's the problem. Don't give in to temptation, is what James is saying. Don't ask for the repeated forgiveness. Stop giving in to the temptation, is what he's getting at here. It's a much better way to go. I want you to remember that you don't get that crown of life by continually asking forgiveness over and over again. The scripture says, what we just read, that the way you get the crown is by enduring temptation. Enduring it. Not giving in to it. Oh, God, forgive me. Which is good. It's good to ask God to forgive you. But there's something before that. Endure temptation. That's how you get the crown. That's what it says by enduring it. That means at some point in your life, at some point or another, you have to arrive to the realization that you have to stop letting temptation have you. And you've got to switch from making excuses to making repentance. Big difference. Turn away and endure. I know people that have been fighting the same temptations for years and years, even decades, and they always endure it. Then there's another crowd of people who have been fighting the same temptations for many years, but they continually give in to it. And for some reason, when they talk to me about it, and they know I'm a pastor, they got to tell me what I want to hear. They make it sound nice, I guess. When they talk to me about this decades-long, continual giving in to temptations, they always say this. They say, well, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Like, that's the way to go? You're getting better? Jesus didn't die to make you a little bit better. He died to give you complete and total salvation. Jesus did not die to make you a little better after decades and decades, a little better. A little. He died to, to obliterate the problem, to give you that choice to endure the temptation. Salvation, victory. Jesus did not die to deliver you most of the way. He didn't die for 90 
percent or even 99.9 percent of your salvation and your victory. He died for 100 percent of all of it. Jesus paid it all. Total victory. Those who will not stand up under temptation are proving their lack of love towards God, a lack of faith. But for those who love him, it says, for those who love him, their love for God enables them to undergo trials and rest confidently in him. They can go through it. In fact, it's their steadfastness under trial, their refusal to give in to temptation, which is exactly what reveals that their love is genuine. Do you have a true, true, honest love? How you conduct yourself in trial and temptation is going to prove what you really believe. Their desire of God, their love of God is too much, is too great to give in to temptation. And so by enduring it, they're proving that their love is real. It's kind of like I've made the, the, the analogy before. You know, you've, I've got a wife, and I'm committed to her, but if there's some girl down the street that tempted me, and if every night I ran over to her house and spent the night and messed around with her, and then came back and asked my wife, oh, forgive me for it, though, but the next night I run over there and I have fun with her again, because I just cannot endure that temptation, and I come back to her, and let's say I do that all the time, do I really love my wife? No. You think she would buy it if I said, oh, but I love you, though, as I'm headed out the door to go down to the other girl's house? she going to believe that? No, she's not. You wouldn't buy it either. Do you really love God? Then endure the temptation. Endure it. Don't give in to it. Endure temptation. And so not only does God not tempt anybody, but here is the danger of giving in to temptation when it happens. From James 1 and 14. Says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Means don't be tricked. Don't be don't be fooled. This stuff will trick you. It'll mess you up. So, okay, you've got two different things to choose from here. As we read before, you either get a crown of life, or you get death. Which one? I mean, <laughs> when you put it in such blunt terms as this, it looks pretty obvious, doesn't it? Life or death. How much clearer does this need to be? But verses 14 through 16, it gives the full breakdown of just what exactly happens during tempta- temptation, what goes on, as well as what results from it, during it and what happens after. Verse 14 says that temptation is the action of being drawn away. Drawn away. Drawn away from what? Drawn away from God. Being drawn away from God. Temptation draws you away from God. You don't want to be drawn away from God. You want to get closer to God. Now, one is tempted means he's being drawn away. I think that should be an alarm, this drawn away idea here, knowing that that's what temptation is. That should be an alarm that goes off in our spirit, that just sounds off that tells us when we are being tempted by something, then that's when you should say to yourself, this is where I'm going to be drawn away from God. When temptation happens, guys, the computer, if you misuse it, and it tempts you, say to yourself, oh, I'm being drawn away from God. Can't do that. Can't do that. That should set off alarms, red flags, flares should be going off. I'm, going, I'm getting drawn away from God. Say that to yourself. I'm being drawn away from God. And don't give in to that. And so the idea here is to not allow yourself to be drawn away. 
So that means we should be ever so more obedient and faithful to God. When temptation hits, don't be drawn away from God. Be very, very obedient. Let me give you a picture. Whenever you go fishing, if you like to fish or not, even if you don't like to fish, you know how it works. (laughs) You, You go fishing. The whole point of the sport of fishing is to draw the fish away from his safe place, from his hiding place or his home, to draw him out. So you throw a lure in the water, and that lure looks like something that the fish wants. I mean, it looks like a shrimp or, or you know, a worm or whatever, and the, the fish goes, that looks good to me. I want that. But there's a problem with the lure. There's something hidden in the lure. It's called a hook. There's a hook in it, and it'll grab that fish. So it's the enticement of the lure causes the fish to be drawn away. He's leaving home. He's being drawn away because of enticement. But once he bites on that hook, the hook snares him. And then that's when the destruction, that's when the death comes in. Then the fish is probably going to die, but it's going to be a good, good meal for me. Bad for the fish. So you can see the picture of being drawn away with enticement, the hook that's in sin, and the destruction that follows. You don't want temptation to draw you away from God. Temptation has a hook in it. It will trap you, and it results in death. What you want to do with God is not get drawn away. What you want with God is to get closer, not farther. Close to God is where the blessing is at. Today, the whole world wants blessing, blessing, blessing. Oh, God, just bless me, bless me, bless me. But while remaining in temptation 24-7, that's what the world wants to do. Lord God, you have to bless me because you're God. You're God, you're so loving, and you've got to bless me, because that's the God I invented in my mind and my heart, and so you have to bless me, but I get to stay in my temptation all the time, and I get to stay sinful all the time, but God has to bless me. No. Guys, it's not how that works. When you're tempted, you're drawn away. You're leaving where God is. Come back to where the presence is at. Come back towards God. You can't get God's blessings while you're being drawn away. Doesn't work. If you want to live with blessing, stop doing all the swan dives into temptation. The willful, I'll do it again and again, I'll just ask God to forgive me. That's not how you get the blessing. You get the blessing by enduring temptation. Change your direction. Repent and endure the temptation. You know, temptation is like a gravity vortex. It draws you towards. It pulls you in. And at the center of it is where sin is at. I was watching a Star Trek movie, and they had this black hole gravity vortex going off, and the ship was over. There's this black hole going off, and the Enterprise was trying to get away from it, and they had to go into warp, and they were, they were trying to warp out of it to, to, to get away from it. But if they had gone toward it, they would have gotten sucked right in them and killed. Well, they had to try to get away, and they stayed in warp, going while that vortex was drawn on them, trying to pull them in, and and it just about cracked the ship into pieces, but they, they endured the draw. They were enduring the draw, but they were faced away. And that's what we have to do when it comes to temptation. You have to turn the other way and try to get away from it and endure it. Don't take a bite of it. Don't go towards, don't get drawn away from God. So, Notice that James says that one is tempted when they are drawn away by what? By their own desires and enticed. 
Entice means your pleasures. The enticement, the, hmm, I want that. Believers of Messiah Jesus have been given the indwelling Holy Spirit who lives within our own spirit, who gives you new desires, the the same desires that God has. Romans 7.22 says, For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. If you're saved, you're supposed to have new desires. You're not supposed to have those old desires anymore. The old desires you were tempted by, and you can still be tempted. But you've got to have new desires now. And when the old temptations come from your old life before you were saved, it's easier to say no to that. When you see that the new, tempta- the, the new desires of God are so much better than those old sinful desires you used to have in your old life. And so upon belief, you become this new creation, but you're still living with a sin nature yet still living with the sin nature in your flesh. And so now this battle that Paul was saying that I jumped off to in Romans 7, it becomes a battle of us being torn between our own desires of the flesh versus the desires of God in the Holy Spirit. And so we need to use discernment. Discernment means knowing the difference from right and wrong. And you can't get that by cooking it up in your own mind. you got to go to God's Word to know what right and wrong truly really is. You get that discernment from that with your faith to determine right from wrong. Because as James says, each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. His own. It means they're yours. Those are your desires. Just yours. They're not God's. God does not tempt, remember? You're drawn away and tempted by your own desires. You need to get a perspective, even me. We need to grab the perspective of what, are, what, what is God's desires and look that direction instead. You'll find that in order to follow the Lord, you have to give up your own desires. Yeah, you do. You have to. Well, I don't want to do that. God's desires, the, the things of God are so much better than your own. Either Jesus is Lord of your life or he is not while you're still trying to be Lord yourself. True peace, true blessing, true prosperity comes from setting aside your own desires, which draws you away, and taking up the desires of the Lord. And you can stand up under it. It's interesting how James, though, in this passage that we're in here, he personifies sin. He makes sin like it's a person. Did you notice that? When he said that sin becomes full-grown, it brings death. It's it's like temptation's ancestry is being listed here. You know, when you got the ancestry of Jesus, this is the dad and the father and the great-grandfather and all, and it has that list. Temptation has an ancestry, like it was a person, and James personifies it. And it says, temptation draws away. It's like they're people here. Temptation draws away. Desire conceives. It gives birth to sin. Then when sin grows up to be an adult, it produces its own offspring which is death. Sin is personified here in these terms. Now, up front, uh, temptation, it seems very small, but it only takes one little spark to burn a whole house down, doesn't it? The wrong response to temptation can end up as death, not just for yourself, but also for others you care about. However, the right response to temptation can end up bringing great blessing from God. Remember that crown of life? Your choice is going to end up being according to the authenticity of your disciplined faith. 
a lot of people don't have a disciplined faith. They say, well, I've got faith. Everybody's been given a measure of faith, it says, but you're not disciplining it. You're not keeping it in the Word. You're not studying God's Word to show yourself approved. You're not showing yourself to be astute. You don't know what God wants. You don't know what God expects. All you know is what you expect and what you want. And temptation draws away by your own desires. I think God's desires are a whole lot better. As James said in verse 16, do not be deceived. Don't be tricked. Don't be fooled. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. We got to remember here, this is James. This is Jesus' brother who is saying this. (laughs) And James probably had to learn a lot of this the hard way. Imagine Jesus being your brother. And you're in, you know, sibling rivalry, and you've got these things going on with your irritating brother, but he's, he's God, and you don't know it. And he's trying to tell you, you should do this instead. Oh, I don't want to, come on, you know, my, my brother, I'm, you're just my brother. What do you know? I think James had to learn this the hard way. This is Jesus' brother, and he's telling us this. I think it's a gift, an absolute gift being able to hear what James, the brother of Jesus, has to say about this. What a unique person in history, James, the brother of Christ, telling us this deserves our ear, doesn't it? James 1 and 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. First fruits is the best. First fruits is the best I've got, the perfect stuff. That's salvation, so that we be saved. Okay, so James had said that temptation comes from our own desires, my own desires that are not God's, mine. And now he's given us quite a contrast from the death scene that temptation produces by now saying that every good and perfect gift, you know, you got a death scene, sin when it's full grown produces death, it it ends up bad, but now he's saying that every good and perfect gift does not come from down here, and it does not come from you. Where does it come from? It comes from the Father God, the Father of lights. It doesn't come from you. So, again, When you're confronted with temptation, you think, but I want what I want. Well, if that's going to come from you, that's going to end up being a temptation, drawn away, produce sin, produce death. It's not going to be good. If you want what's truly better, realize that every good and true and perfect gift comes from above. So there again, it comes your discernment time. When you're tempted, start weighing it out. Well, wait a minute. If I do this, it's going to go really bad. But if I do it God's way, it's going to come out a whole lot better than anything I can produce on my own. That's a good thought process to have when you're confronted with temptation. Your desires cannot produce what God can produce. In our minds, when we want something, we generally think it's going to bring us something good, but we're not looking past our own hands. we got to look farther than that. Enduring temptation and not giving into it always turns out better for us because God is the only one who can give a better, good, and perfect gift. That's what I want, and it ain't coming from me. And I know there's a lot of things you may want, but it ain't going to come from you. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time 
unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.